One more hour to go here on a Friday, the final hour of the big show. Before we hit 2024, I can't believe we're already heading into the new year, Shan. Where the, where the hell did the time go? I don't know, man. I feel like we do this every year, but I know. I feel like I say in, that in all a time. week we're gonna say it's twenty twenty four. Yeah, see you next year. Yeah, I love that. When skill. we sign off, see you next year. I'm gonna say that to you today. In the next year, you'll you'll hear from Patty Dumas. You might hear from Patrick uh, Peter Klein. He, they, both those guys signing off. Uh, Matty Rose, the son of Calgary, will be returning to the big show next week. And oh yeah, George, the sheriff will be back as well. All that on Tuesday. The sheriff. The sheriff. Yes. Sheriff's back. The sheriff's yeah, back in town. The gunslinger George Russick. From downtown Toronto. No, no, oh. no. Don't 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 slander George like <laughs> oh, that. He's sorry. The heart of Niagara Falls. He makes that well known. Anyway, GVP and Shan here for the next hour. We're live in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? We install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. And yes, we are heading into the new year. So I wanted to do a little exercise here with my pal Shan. Uh, Flames year in review, maybe some good, some bad, some ugly mixed in between there for the Calgary Flames. But where do you want to start here? Go back to uh, what we got here. Jan- January 21st, the infamous Sutter. What is his number game? Of course, uh, speaking to Jacob Peltier and uh, his his performance in, in one of his early games here with the Calgary Flames. What did you think of Peltier's debut? Uh, what's up? What did you think of Jacob's first few shifts in the NHL? Uh, Jacob Pelche. What number is he? 49. 49. 49. 49. Just so you know, Daryl. Oh, Daryl. What a start. That was January 21st. What a start to 2023 that was. And I think that was sort of the beginning of the long process that was the end of that season. Or even the end of Daryl Sutter as the coach of the Calgary Flames. Yeah. I know I know a few months earlier in there, it, it almost made the 2023 list, but it was the old uh, Jonathan Huberto goes to the bathroom situation. <coughs> Sorry, nice. keep it classy. Nice yeah, one. yeah. But uh, again, it, it was just a weird exit for, for Daryl Sutter. And uh, I know that maybe a lot of this fan base was talking about that that maybe he was a big part of the issues that, that went wrong with the Calgary Flames last season. And, uh, you know, through 30-ish games here, almost at the halfway point with the Flames, I, I feel like we're still seeing a lot of the same issues that we saw last season. So maybe a bit of that blame that went onto Daryl Sutter plate, Daryl Sutter's plate, maybe you can take off of that a little bit. Uh, I feel like he still had to go. You know what I mean? It, it just felt like that maybe his coaching style wasn't going to be a proper fit for this core that the Flames team are going to have for, you know, this season and maybe for the season's going forward here that being said I I didn't totally like the narrative that was going around that Daryl Sutter was this toxic human I I feel like he still loves the city of Calgary he he did a lot for this city he didn't have to come back and and do what he for this second stint in Calgary you know he already won his two Stanley Cups with with the LA Kings in in 14 and uh, in 2012 He, he basically already solidified himself as a Hall of Fame coach and he wanted to come back here and finish some unfinished business, and uh, unfortunately for him, he was left in just as a tough spot as anyone else in Flames management or or the Flames players that season when two of the core players and Johnny Gaudreau and uh, Matthew Kachuk find themselves on new teams. Like Daryl Sutter is a guy who plays under a structure and wants to implement his structure. It's his way or the highway kind of thing, and he was left with uh, with a broken Flames team, and uh, 
I, I feel like he was in left left in just as tough as a spot as anyone else. If you want to talk about Huberto having a tough time adjusting, it, it was probably hard for, for Sutter to adjust to an entirely new core. So I, I understand that he had to go. But uh, what, what are your kind of thoughts on, on Sutter's tenure here or the way it ended for him in Calgary as we before we move on to some other moments? But. I, I agree that he had to go. There's, there's no doubt he had to go because it wasn't working and it was – the the toxic environment in the room was was a collection of so many different things. It wasn't just uh-huh. Sutter. It wasn't just the players. It was a collection of so many different things. And what what really hurt to see is people in in those moments in last year they forgot what Daryl Sutter did for the Flames in two thousand four. And you can say what you want uh, uh, about him as a general manager, but you're right. He went and won two Stanley Cups with the Kings. Yeah, and that wasn't just because they had a talented team. Like obviously they had you know Jonathan Quick and they had some really good players, but that was that was Daryl Sutter hockey and in, in 2021. I, I still think Daryl Sutter X's and O's talking about the physical, the actual game of hockey stuff in between the lines. He's still one of the best hockey minds he's on hockey the planet. Genius. You know Which, what I mean? Absolutely. Like I I think that's just what it is. But his personal style, the way maybe he dealt with relationships or his like bit of mind games like we just heard in that clip with Pelche or or even Huberdeau like that that style in the NHL has pretty much phased itself out like I, I know there are still some coaches that you consider old school and they're, they're finding success with Vancouver and Rick Tockett or, or even Philadelphia and John Tortorella but uh, I felt like it was a little bit different with those coaches because when you talk to players who have played for torts they say they love the guy and all that and I'm sure you can talk to players as well and they say they love playing for Sutter but it just didn't seem like the right fit for the core that they had in Calgary. Yeah, and, and and you mentioned there that there's probably a variety of things that created a toxic environment within that Flames dressing room, and we only know so much, right? There's, prob- there's probably more behind the scenes that may have soured the relationship between coach and players or, or management and coach and, and, and all that. But, uh, yeah, coaches are sometimes often scapegoated in professional sports, and – it's easier to move off a coach rather than it is to to move off some yeah. players who make a uh, the majority of money on, on on a professional hockey team, and we even saw it in Edmonton, right, with, with Woodcroft with getting canned and and players not saying that he didn't necessarily lose the room, but mm-hmm. it's it's easier to throw a coach under the bus than than some of the players, right? But well, I don't know. And and what happened when he got when he got fired, and then it was something we're going to talk about is the, the Tyler Toffoli trade, and Tyler Toffoli was very open doing podcasts, doing hits, whatever, he would talk about Daryl Sutter and how he was one of his favorite coaches. And, I mean, listen, Toffoli led the team in points last year. It's not like it's not like he suffered under Sutter's system. So, and, and Zadorov talked about liking Sutter a lot. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say he, he lost everyone in the room. But I'm not going to say he's perfect at the same time, though, right? No, but yeah. you're right. He's a hockey genius. He's done so many great things for, for the city of Calgary as, as a coach and, and, and even in the community and – an ambassador at Calgary. Well. Absolutely. So it, it was tough to see everyone completely turn on him in, in such a way that was almost disgusting. But it, listen, when you watch the hockey that was played last year, that wasn't successful. Yeah, our next moment comes here April 4th, and you want to talk about some of those moments for the Calgary Flames. When it came to that sh- that weird season, they, they had so many one-goal losses, teams that they maybe shouldn't have lost to. Uh, we marked this one, April 4th, a loss to the Chicago Blackhawks while in the playoff hunt. And I feel like those losses specifically kind of define the season that was for the Calgary Flames to end that 22-23 season. 
so much ups and downs. You know, they, there are games in which they they beat some really good teams, and then other times where they played down to the level of competition, and they had multiple losses to the Blackhawks. And all that being said, they they almost made the playoffs, almost fin- like finishing one point out last season. But uh, yeah, kind of your thoughts on on the way they closed out that that regular season, specifically maybe even that Blackhawks game. Well, the the loss to, to Chicago on April fourth, while in that playoff hunt with with teams like like Nashville, with teams like Winnipeg, and you had a chance to make the playoffs, that was the epitome of the season right there. That was that mm-hmm. was the perfect reflection of that entire season. Because, I mean, they lost that game 4-3. They had a chance. They tried to climb back. They couldn't come back. The only thing that wasn't right about it is that it wasn't in overtime. That was it. Because they tied for fourth all-time most overtime losses of all time. But Chicago... Outplayed them that game. Yep. I will. I'll never. I don't think I'll ever forget that game because it was like we all knew it was going to happen. They lost two times to Chicago before, and and it's true. You miss the playoffs by three points, and if you beat Chicago in those three games, you make it. It's crazy, but it's true. And uh, and and there, you like we're just talking about Chicago here, but there's so many games last season where you could say yeah. this went the right way. There was also that that ridiculous post stat that the Flames had last <laughs> season as well. I can't. Think of the number of it my off the top of my ringing. head. Yeah, I know. Just so many pucks off iron last season. But, uh, yeah, just just too many of those lackluster effort against teams that you need to beat or just finding a way to lose games in, in, in overtime is really what killed that Flames team last season. And uh, we'll, we'll go to April 10th here, and I'm talking about losing an extra time. The infamous Nick Ritchie shootout game. Do we got some audio for that? Oh, yeah, here we go. So Nick Ritchie with a chance to win it. And keep the Flames' playoff hopes alive. Richie, stopped by Charles, trying to tuck it in five all, and Charles shuts the door. What a day that was! I, I mean, this is this is they need to win this game to stay alive. They're fighting with Nashville for this for the playoffs. You put Nick Richie out with a chance and to Tyler win. Toffoli sitting on the bench, being like, "Hey, you know I could shoot in this right." After you know, maybe and he's right. Yeah, I mean, leading goal scorer on the team. After dragging <laughs> this team on his back for a large majority of that season, he just sat I've there. I've scored a lot of goals this year. Maybe I could try. <laughs> I don't know. Your thoughts? Uh, oh, okay. That was an, uh, just a – like, and and then Sutter went on to say that it was it was like a percentage move or something like that. It was, it was uh, an He scored on Saros before in the shootout kind of thing, like <laughs> yeah. a, a history thing, but I don't know. That was – I mean – I just remember watching that. My jaw dropped. I feel bad. A couple of my friends got uh, front row seats for that game, so they were they were front row for that. And I don't. Think I was in the press box that game. You just can't forget stuff like that. No, it's it's one of the most shocking decisions I've ever seen in, in the the twenty two years of watching hockey that I've had. It's unbelievable. So, uh, kind of to wrap up this this whole uh, that that. End of the 2022-2023 season. Mm-hmm. A bit more of a positive note here. We got yeah. to see Dustin Wolf make his, uh, make his debut, and he, and he picked up a W against the San Jose Sharks. And uh, during this season here, we've got to see Dustin Wolf a little bit more, but uh, Dustin Wolf as a whole, we all know that he's going to be the future goaltender of the Calgary Flames. Is he, is he ready to make to the jump to the NHL just yet? Who knows? Maybe maybe he could fill a back uh, a backup role right now. That's maybe where his talent level is right now. But I have no doubt that the future of Flames goaltending lies with with Wolfie. Yeah, listen, the the guy is one at every level. He's a seventh round pick and has proved everyone wrong. He he seriously is one at every level, and he's won MVPs at at almost every level. 
what what I've seen from him in his time in, in his short time in the NHL, he moves as well as any goaltender that I think I've ever seen. His movement, his agility, his his speed is ridiculous. He's obviously a smaller goalie, and that's going to be his number one downfall. But Saros is a great goalie, and Shesterkin's not that big either. And he he's one of those hoverboard kind of goalies. I, I, it's it's a hovercraft. Pardon me. It's it's awesome to watch him play. I think if this team was in a, a, a mode of of full rebuild, he would be on the starting roster, and he would be exactly you know number one or number two. But I don't think you can have him starting on on a team that's trying to compete for the playoffs. Dustin Wolf is a great goalie. He's going to be a great goalie. I I've seen things from him that are so special, and I love. He he's a goalie goalie like he's one of those it's weird just such goalies a tough that... spot for for Dustin Wolf from from what he's in right now like it it's really good that the Flames have this luxury that they have pretty deep goaltending you know Markstrom's been excellent this season arguably been the best player on this Calgary Flames roster you can argue with me whether or not Dan Vladar is going to be a starter at some point in the National Hockey League if he does get moved beyond the Calgary Flames but. That that's probably up to for, for debate. I don't really know where I, where I'd lean on that. Every but from what I've seen from Bedard, he's a very very serviceable backup. So I I think coming into this season, it was kind of um, you know it was up in the air. Like the the backup goaltender was for was up for grabs, and uh, credit to Vladar, he was definitely the. Uh, the, the second best coming out of training camp, but uh, we'll, we'll see how that whole goaltending thing shakes down for the Calgary Flames. Yeah. We we know that they they are deep, and and Dustin Wolf is going to be the goaltender of the future going forward for the Calgary Flames at a, at a certain point here, as it feels like this Flames team is kind of moving in a different direction. Yeah, uh, listen, the young the young guys from the Wranglers ha- have been a pleasant surprise, and they've been the most refreshing thing. For this team this season because and we're going to talk about what went on at the start of the season a little later but when the flames were at their lowest this year and it seemed like nothing was clicking the people that saved saved it were, were Zary and, and Pospisil and, and you know getting Wolf in some games was an energy boost and I think the, it, it's kept the fans engaged for sure because as a fan when you're seeing the same product every day with no sense of I don't want to say hope but no no sense of what the future could be, and you see this, you know, the young guys step up. I, I, I'm pretty happy with with what I've seen from all of them. Uh, we're doing the Flames year in review here on Hour Four, the Big Show. It's GVP and Shan along with you. Uh, let's go. We we kind of already talked about it. May first, Daryl Sutter gets fired. Flames moving off in a different direction. Shan and I already kind of discussed that, where it, it, it was a bit a, a bit of a toxic relationship. A bit, a lot of the blame for last season fell on Daryl Sutter's plate, and, and as more and more time goes by here at the Calgary Flames, it's starting to realize that it might have been a bit more deeper than that. But like Shannon and I kind of agreed that it, it just didn't seem like a proper fit. But sorry, you want to, well, you want to bring well, up don't, something? Don't forget that Treloving, when he was still with the team before Sutter got fired, shortly before said Sutter wasn't leaving, and and then uh, from what we heard is that a bunch of players talk to Trailoving and he got the the general vibe of the room and and their thoughts on it and then all of a sudden Sutter was fired so it was announced after the season that he'd be coming back that's what was said and then obviously May 1st he was gone 
Yeah, Let, let's move on to another big moment on on May 21st. And you want to talk about great fits or, or just the the next phase for this man's career as a member as a part of the Calgary Flames organization. Here, Craig Conroy becomes the general manager of the Calgary Flames, and he was an assistant GM for a long time, a former player, a former captain of the Calgary Flames. It, it just felt like this was the next evolution of Craig Conroy as a, a person, a part of this organization. And, and so far, I feel like he's done a pretty good job of changing the culture of the Calgary Flames. At least it, it felt like the there's a bit more positive vibes around this team going into the season, despite the fact of all that dysfunction and not not too much player movement going on. I, I feel like he's done a, a very bang-up job, and we'll get to some of those moments later on here that I, I would like to call the summer of Conroy. I think, I think he's done pretty good. Well, his first trade was the Sharon Govich trade. We'll, we'll get to that a, a, a little later, but he has he was put in such a, an awful position. Oh, yeah. He really was. The contract situation is crazy. They had such little cap room to work with, and a bunch of players that just aren't playing the way that they should be. He's He's been put in that position. I love the fit. I, I love the fit for Craig Conroy. I mean, he's been with his team for... Uh, in a front office role for so many years, just under Brad Treloving. And, you know, it's not like they just brought him in and said, okay, fix this team. He, he's been a part of this process. And Conroy is one of those very lovable guys. He, yeah. he is. And, and he loves this city. He clearly he loves this team. Yeah. He, don't forget, I think one moment that Craig Conroy, when he spoke to us earlier in the summer, he told the story about how he said to Aginla, you need to have the C. And he essentially gave Aginla. Uh, the captain, he understands what this, what what a team needs. He understands the the, the leadership roles because he was one of those players, and he's also a very very passionate guy. And he's made it clear he wants this. He he said it. He wants to bring this franchise to Stanley Cup, and um, I, I'm really happy with with the Craig Conroy hire. And and uh, uh, like I said, I don't want to be him. Uh, earlier on today, when we had Luke Gazdick on the program, Peter and uh, Patrick asked about uh, the Ottawa Senators and their, you know, bit of a coaching transition here with Jacques Martin coming in and, uh, you know, Daniel Everton behind the bench there. And we talked about how, how kind of cool it is or how important it is for some of these former alumni players, people who have played a lot of games in the National Hockey League to kind of move into a, a different role, a management role or a coaching role or a scouting role or behind the scenes role, whatever you want to call it with uh, some of the players that are on the current roster. And uh, Craig Conroy is a guy that, that fits the bill perfectly for that. And, and I feel like his experience as a player and his long-term experience as as uh, a part of the front office here is going to do wonders for, for a young Flames team that's uh, going to be moving – or a Flames team that's going to be getting younger. And uh, hopefully they're – a bit more exciting when it, when it comes to like a retool and becoming younger and, and they'll, they'll be a, a super solid team in, in the future. And I think Conroy, that's, that's the plan for, for this group. Yeah. And you talk about some of the guys like Alfredson and then you can look at Martin St. Louis and what he's done for the Canadians. And it's clear that he's working out there and the Canadians are playing well, but he also somewhat saved Cole Caulfield. Cole Caulfield couldn't even get a record a point. They brought in St. Louis and, that that relationship helped Caulfield so much. But when when Conroy got hired, we all thought, okay, is it gonna happen? Are they is he gonna bring his buddy Jerome yeah. to town? And June fifteenth, the Ginla was brought in as a special advisor. And that was that was the moment for me that really signified 
a change. It was a big change. You don't bring in the best player in your franchise history, the the captain for so many years, mm-hmm. a leader on and off the ice. You don't bring in a guy like that for nothing. You you don't bring him in just to boost your play a little bit. You bring that in for a full culture change. And, and I'm expecting Jerome, as the years go on, to become more and more involved. In, yeah, and start to see his face more and more around the team and, and all that. And just to kind of recircle back on that other point about, about I made about alumni coming back and all that and getting the chance to be a young Flames player like like Coronado when he comes back up or, or Peltier or, or, or Zeri and, and Pospisil just to like pick the brain of the, the greatest Calgary Flame of all time. Oh, yeah. Would, would, would be priceless, you know, like that. that you, you can't really put a price on, on the advice that a guy like that can give you, right? The Flames are so lucky to have the alumni group that they do. Lanny McDonald has been unbel- like so involved in the community. I don't know if there's anyone more involved in the community that's ever been, you know, a Flames player or 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 like he, he's one of the Calgary celebrities, period. Yeah. And to have Lanny McDonald, to have Craig Conroy, to have Jerome McGinley around the guys that you see littered, their their faces are all over the walls of the Saddledome, everywhere. Team pictures, uh, with 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 certain whatever trophies and awards, they're everywhere. And to see that as a young player, you're not just walking into a building that uh, that doesn't have significant history. This Flames team does have significant history, and I, I just I I'm just so happy with their alumni group that that continues to support the team and support the community. That brings us around to the halfway point here. Uh, we're going to hit the break uh, around the corner. Going to continue to break down this year in review for the Calgary Flames. Also, text line is open all the time here, 960-960. If you have any moments, highs, lows, good, bad, ugly, whatever you want us to talk about around the corner for the Calgary Flames. Let's keep uh, keep it locked right here. I'm GVP. He's Shan. You're listening to The Big Show right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back. 24-ish or so minutes until uh, we say goodbye. We'll see you next year. I love it. Tuesday. See you next year. Hopefully everyone will uh, enjoy the new year. Be safe out there, though, Calgary. Absolutely. Be safe. Have some fun, but but be safe. Uh, earlier on in this segment, we were kind of just running down uh, the Flames year in review. The year that was for the, year that was for the Calgary Flames, and uh, we got into the whole... Sutter, what is his number? The Jacob Pelche incident, uh, a couple losses to Chicago that felt like it was uh, the beginning of the end or what really put the final nail in the coffin for the 2022-23 Flames. The infamous Nick Ritchie shootout game, Wolf. Dustin Wolf debuts. Daryl uh, Sutter gets canned. Uh, Craig Connery becomes the GM. Ryan Huska becomes the coach of the Calgary Flames. A couple more to get to here before we say goodbye. Let us know what else you want us to uh, talk about. Some good moments, some bad moments, the ugly moments for the Calgary Flames. Let us know what uh, what, what some of the biggest moments were for this team here in 20, uh, 2023. Let us know at 960-960. We'll always like to take your text and try to respond to those before we say goodbye. But uh, let's uh, get back into this, Shan. And uh, June 23rd, Mike Vernon announced that he will be inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, and he has gone into the Hall of Fame since then. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about Flames goaltending, who's the greatest of all time? It's between Mike Vernon, Mika Kiprasov, where you want to go with that argument, I don't know. But uh, Vernon raised the Stanley Cup here for the Calgary Flames in 1989 and uh, felt like it was about time that a legend here uh, goes into the Hockey Hall of Fame. One of the great stories for the Calgary Flames in 2023. That was It was such a good story, and we had him on the show 
uh, or pardon me, Flames Talk. Had, Pat had him on Flames Talk. He was on the Big Show too. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it's true. He was on the Big Show. He w- he was awesome. He was an awesome conversation, and just one of those guys that also loves Calgary. I mean, he's a Calgary guy. Mm-hmm. Got to play for the Flames and. Obviously, winning the Stanley Cup, his numbers retired here, and it wasn't just Flames fans that were harping on this, saying he needs to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. It was hockey fans, you know, around the world. And Mike Vernon did everything you could have asked and more for the Calgary Flames when he played here. And uh, the one Stanley Cup, you go look back at that team and what an unbelievable team it was. And he talked about that team all the time. But yeah, this was this was a special, special. He's a special part of that team too, Absolutely. right? Goaltender. He, he's a, he, he's one of the number one players that you look at when you think of the Calgary Flames history. So yeah, numbers in the rafters for the reason for a reason. One one of few players that are have gotten that honor with with the Calgary Flames, and it, it was good to see that a legend like Mike Vernon got his flowers and, and got a chance to enter into those hallowed halls of the Hockey Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, then just four days later, June twenty seventh, Tyler Toffoli gets traded to the New Jersey Devils for Yegor Sharangovich and a third-round pick. How have you kind of thought, what were your initial reactions to that trade? And then kind of building off of that, how do you think that trade has aged for the Calgary Flames? Well, I, I always liked Sharangovich when he played in New Jersey. He looked like one of those young guys that had, he had some pop in his game and he had some potential, but he played on the Devils when they were pretty bad and so was on the first line and slowly faded through. And then last year, he was a healthy scratch in the playoffs. So when you trade your leading scorer for that player and a third, my initial reaction was, really? That's like yeah. the leading scorer gone for for that return? And then you, you stop and you think about it and you say, sure, he was the leading scorer. It wasn't that hard to be the leading scorer in the Flames last year. No, George says it all the time that uh, players got to score on bad teams or mediocre teams. Yeah, It just so happened to be Tyler Toffoli last season. And Still a really good player, but uh, I, I would agree with you that initially you were thinking, that's it? But then once you start to think about the trade and uh, the future implications of that trade and how it's going to age, and and the way that, that it has aged over the, the first couple months of this season here, you, you kind of understand why. And what what is Tyler Toffoli going to be a couple years from now? Two, three, four, five years from now? Whereas Yegor Sharangovich is a guy who's getting an opportunity to play big, meaningful minutes on on an NHL team, and, and he's starting to find his way offensively, I, I, I think that Flames are going to look back on this trade a bit more positively than what they initially did. I, I feel like a lot of people are starting to turn around on it, on it right now. I understand that Sharon Govich is a guy that has a lot of raw potential, and he's still a, a young player. He's got a great shot. He's got good size. He, he, he skates well. So initially... Yeah, I can understand the confusion, but th- this trade has been awesome, and I think Conroy's uh, done a bang-up job going one-for-one. One. And who knows what the third-round pick turned out to be, Idar Suniev, and who knows? That could be a pick that he, he's got a lot of offensive flair, too. He's one of those special players they were happy you to get. You never know with third-rounders or anyone, exactly. or, or or any pick, to be honest, right? Like, highest the highest draft pick of all time for the Calgary Flames, fourth overall, Sam Bennett, never really panned out here. No. So it, it's and Johnny Gaudreau was a was a late beyond first round pick. So he was a fourth round exactly. So, so you, you never know. But uh, for for right now, I, I feel like the Yegor Sharon Govich trade has been something that that you, the Flames can say, hey, you know, we we won that deal, or or we got we got our fair shake in that deal for well, sure. To fully wanted long term, and and so be it. I mean, 
That's fair to him. Like, fair that's, to him, exactly. Players get the right to do that in, in, in free agency. Yeah. And, and, and Dumas says it all the time, like, go get your money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sports, I, I know that fans like to talk about loyalty and all that, and player movement has become something that's like become a bit of a bigger thing here in the National Hockey League. But uh, sometimes organizations don't show that same loyalty to players. So when, when a player has an opportunity to do what's best for him and his life and his family going forward, I, I can understand it when they, when they go out and get some big-time money or, or want a long-term contract to set him up for the future it, it's just from a human element you can understand it 100 percent. so i i think honestly both teams benefit from this trade devils need to be playing a little better but to fully it's not like he's been a disaster there. he's been pretty good uh we'll go to august here i don't have an exact date for this but it was a, a bit of a stretch around there where it felt like the tides were kind of turning vibes wise for this calgary flames team i talked about it i like to call it the summer con where he comes in immediately brings on a Ginla. Announces that Mika Kiprasov's jersey will be retired here in February 2024. Yep. Looking forward to that. Well-deserved for Mika Kiprasov. But uh, then reports come out that, that Noah Hannafin was wishy-washy on re-signing here and, and says that he'd, he'd probably like to try elsewhere. Elias Lindholm answering questions about his contract day in and day, day out, and you could hear the frustration in his voice, which you, you can understand. It. Yep. it It's tiring to talk about the same thing over and over there. But... Uh, Going into training camp here, it, it was it was definitely weird. There was a lot of positive energy around the, this Flames team, but also a lot of unknown is the way I'll put it. It was the month of August for the Calgary Flames. Yep, that was – you watched Lindholm in that media day press conference. like, oh, this is not good. Hey, he gave us this nugget. Uh, I like yeah. to use that. It was a bit of out of context, but but that, that was kind of what he was talking about that's when it came whole, to his contract. That's what the whole interview sounded like. Pretty much, the, everyone asking questions is like, "Hey, do you feel like you're coming back?" Uh, uh, that uh, question I again. I want to talk about the golf tournament I'm at right now. Yeah, and, and <laughs> listen, it's hard to blame those guys. I know. And the uh, initial report on Hannafin is that he wanted to go back to the states. He wanted, he he wanted this, and then there was talks halfway through the season that he wanted to resign when things were going well. It's like, well, what? Uh, it was that whole media day press conference thing was like, okay. Maybe it's time to rebuild, and everyone was like, "All right, get him out, rebuild." Mm-hmm. Well, it's not that easy, but this—you had to see what this team could do under a new coach, with a couple new additions and a couple of subtractions. And I think we're getting to the point where we're starting to see where this team is at, and it's getting more and more likely that that those two will be gone. Uh, thoughts on Hannafin and Lindholm during this season? For throughout the first thirty games so far, Hannafin looks pretty good. Yeah, he's moving really well. Like. He's he's activating a lot more, and he's been on the power play a lot more than he has in, in the past. And I think Hannafin's looked pretty good. And Lindholm, I, I think I think this might be some of the best hockey Noah Hannafin has played in a Calgary Flames jersey so far. Absolutely, it helps when you're playing with Chris Tanev. He does that to people, but yeah, look, Hannafin is playing great. He he really is. And this is a team that needs more from from their defensemen. It doesn't help when you've got pretty much a carousel that is the the bottom pairing and has been since the beginning of the season but especially since Sidorov was traded yeah we've seen four different guys step up so I, I've been happy with Hannafin I haven't been that upset with Lindholm it's just he's not producing at the rate that you want from your number one center and he still wants nine million dollars so it's it's a very weird situation I I don't know when 
a trade will happen. I don't know what what the possibilities are there, but there are teams that could certainly benefit from an Elias Lindholm, and I think they would be wrong to pass that up. Yeah, I, I think that I think we're getting to the point more and more likely that Elias Lindholm is going to be playing his last season as a member of the Calgary Flames here, just because the whole experiment between Lindholm and Huberto, we'll get to Huberto in a little bit. Trust me, we're almost at the month of December here when it comes to this timeline. Mm-hmm. But uh, that 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 connection just simply hasn't worked. Who who knows? Maybe third time is a charm here. I don't know. That's what uh, they say. I'm I'm doubtful. I think it's like fifth time a charm though. This Something might be like the that. fifth or sixth know. time they've been on a line together. All right, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm doubtful that that connection will ever really work out. Um, just I don't know. I'm at a loss for words with number ten at times. But uh, yeah, Lindholm is a guy like Dennis was talking about it when he had him earlier on. Is is he a true number one center in the National Hockey League for a really good contending team? No, maybe not. But. Uh, Teams need number twos, and contenders need to have center depth. Almost, you you look at the past Stanley Cup champions, there's a lot of depth down the middle. That's that's what builds Stanley Cup contending teams, depth down the middle. Mm-hmm. Having a solid first-line pairing that can go out there and play 25 minutes a night come the playoffs and shut down the other team's opposition. Elias Lindholm's a great two-way player when he's at his best. He can put up some really solid offensive numbers when he's the third wheel of a really strong offensive line, so... Maybe a fit like Colorado is something that we see come trade deadline. And the deadline is is a time of year where stocks on players go up. Oh, yeah. And, and I think the stock on Elias Lindholm will be super high come then, especially if he's able to get his offensive ways firing a bit more for Calgary. And, and I have liked his his play with, with Sharon Govich over the last couple oh, of weeks. I, I think that's been a duo that's, found a little bit more chemistry. I, know, I I feel like Sharon Govich is still going to be a player that's kind of streaky. He's going to get red hot like he was there for a while, and then you might not hear for him, from him for, for a little bit of games, but I, I don't think Sharon Govich is ever going to get back to the spot this season where he was like a complete ghost and then like possibly playing on the fourth line. I, th- I feel like he's starting to be a little bit more comfortable here as a member of the Flames, and, and he's found his home playing with uh, Elias Lindholm as a centerman. I, I, you're right. Beginning of the season – just looked like a guy that was figuring things out on the fly. And it it certainly took a little while, but once he got going, I I watched him. I'm like, okay, I've seen this guy shoot the puck in New Jersey. Why is he not doing it here? And then there was the first shootout attempt, the one shootout that he's missed all year, where he put a dent in the crossbar. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, that guy can rip it. And uh, we started to see some progression after that. And you're right, he's been one of the Flames' best players, and he really does have some talent. Really, really does. Uh, we'll go to September 30th here. Definitely a sad note. Uh, the passing of Chris Snow. Uh, Chris Snow, September 30th, after nearly a five-year battle with ALS, he passed away. And, uh, you know, you want to talk about a guy who fought his heart out and, and lived the life that you, that you can respect and all that? It, it, it's Chris Snow. And uh, his legacy will forever live on here in, in Calgary. And, uh Definitely one of the sadder moments here for for the Calgary Flames organization, but something that you still need to point out for for twenty twenty three. Yeah that that was that was a that was a tough moment. Just seeing what he meant to not only the the franchise but also the the people the people in Calgary the the Flames. Everyone spoke highly about about Chris Snow and 
Especially Brad Treloving when he was here. And Craig Conroy. Yeah, absolutely. Both those guys were very close together, and uh, we had Conroy on in, uh, to remember the life and, and legacy of Chris Snow, and I, I'd urge people to go back and listen to that conversation because it it, it, it did justice to, to the person that Chris Snow was, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll never forget him, that's for sure. Absolutely, and, and wishing all the best to, to the Snow family during the holiday times. These are usually a time of celebration, but for... Uh, for some families that are going through it, we, we wish them the best. So, yeah, to the Snow family, we continue to wish you the best. Absolutely. Uh, October 11th, Flames season opener. 2023-2024 season opens up against the Winnipeg Jets, and the Flames come up with a W. It's kind of I feel like it's rare to say that the Flames pick up a win in the home opener. Well, there was a streak of like it's 11 been a, years. Yeah, it it's historically it just... Doesn't really happen, but uh, I, I kind of mentioned it there when you were talking about the month of August, and there's vibes were high, vibes were kind of murky with reports about Hannafin not wanting to stay, or or Lindholm questionable about his contract, or or even some other narratives that came out about Chris Tanev and his contract expiring. He's answering questions about all of that, but Flames kick off the season right with a win over the Winnipeg Jets, five three, the final score, October eleventh. So back, yeah, so Woo-hoo! back. I watched that. I'm like, oh, the Flames are back. We're fine. Uh, and then they lost the next two games. Oh. But they did look good in that game against Winnipeg. And listen, Winnipeg is tearing up the league right now. So I they looked good. Obviously not as good as we or, or sorry, we thought they were a little better than they are now. But uh, to start the the season with a W and at least get some hope going was much needed. Yeah, and then you want to talk about some more hope. Kind of the story of this season has been the the younger players providing some hope, yep. and specifically Connor Zari and Martin Pospisil. But before we get to that, we'll go to October 14th. Matty Coronado scores his first NHL goal against the Pittsburgh Penguins. An absolutely beautiful goal on the power play. Yep. One-timer sneaks it past. Uh, the Penguins goaltender there uh, on the short side, top shelf, beautiful goal from Matt Coronado. Excited to see what what comes from Coronado over the coming years, maybe even later in this season if the Flames move off of some of their players, and he'll definitely be one of the first guys to get the tap on his shoulder to come up to the Flames. But Matt Coronado, a, a guy who's been up and down during his time in the NHL, but that that's fine. He's got time. Yeah, let Let him grow in the American Hockey League. Let him fill the net. I've had the opportunity to, to, you know, cover some Wranglers games here for 960 and, and seeing him up close. He is by far and away the best player on the ice almost every single game for the Calgary Wranglers. Him and him and Dryden Hunt. If they could do, you know, half of what they do at the American Hockey League level and do it in the NHL, no doubt in my mind that he's going to have an absolutely solid career here in Calgary and be one of the, the pieces going forward when you're talking about a young team getting more exciting, going in a different direction here. It's such a big jump. We've, we've had this conversation. It's such a big jump going from playing college hockey to right to the NHL where you're on the power play. Yeah. that does. And, you know, he's a smaller guy. He's a skilled guy with a great shot. That's not someone that you want to have on your fourth line. So that, that last game before he was sent down to the Wranglers, it was pretty clear that fourth line was not going to work for him. We saw the shot on the power play. It's like, okay, we got a power play guy. This is going to be a good year on the power play. Oh, ooh. Ooh. don't want to talk about that. No, power let's, play. let's stay away from that right now. They scored three in a row now, though. True. Coronado. None of them have been like too pretty, but no. With is goals, what it is. goals we'll take on the power what we play. We can get here. Absolutely. But listen, he will be on the Flames power play in the future because he's that talented and 
he's not putting up over a point per game numbers in the AHL for nothing. That's that's what we've seen. Connor Zary was doing it, and he's I don't want he's not dominating, but he's he's one of the best players on the Flames this year. It's it's true. Coronado is is a really skilled player. I love the fact that he's putting up points in the AHL, and he's I I think he'll be ready sooner rather than later. I agree. Check out the Wranglers tonight. They're playing tonight. Taking yes. on the Abbotsford Canucks, looking for some uh, redemption. Two they good lose. teams. Yeah, they are. They Both teams are really good. They had a really good playoff series last year as well mm-hmm. where the Wranglers were able to bounce the Canucks. But, uh, yeah, go check them out. We'll have that game on our airwaves as well. But uh, the end of October going into the start of November was uh, maybe you could call it rock bottom for this Calgary Flames team. I'm not sure. We'll see what 2024 here holds in store for the Calgary Flames. But uh, we'll go to November 1st. Flames lose to Dallas. It's their sixth. In a row. I remember that losing streak like it was yesterday. Yes. And and it, it almost did feel like it was rock bottom. That that Dallas game specifically, though, it felt that that was like one of the first games during that losing streak where it was like Flames were in this one, but they still have managed to find a way to lose. That that Blues game right in the middle of that losing streak was like, oh, God. I was what, there. What do we got ourselves into here, man? I was sitting right behind Craig Berube on the bench, who is, is, is now gone. But I was sitting right behind Craig Berube on the bench. I'm like, this is a... It's a cool exp- I've never sat that close. I'm literally first row. This is going to be awesome. And then they didn't score a goal. I was like, oh, man. That was one of the worst that games. That was a snooze fest Oh, game. it was one of the worst and, games And I've the ever Blues seen. were not playing good hockey at no. that point either. That was just ugly. It was really ugly. But that Dallas game, we talked about, you're right. They were they were in it, but they still found a way to lose. But very promising because Connor Zeri made his debut and he scored on his first shot, which was a complete grinder goal. It's fine. But... Hey, man, Zary's proven he can score those grinder goals or, or put up some highlight real plays this year. He's done it all offensively for the, for the Calgary Flames. Well, in that game, he I forget the defenseman, but he absolutely danced him. He danced him and had a chance, and I'm pretty sure he put it behind the goalie and Nazem Kadri had a chance to finish and just missed it. Like We saw that game. It's like, oh, I think we we found the guy. We found the guy because he's putting up points in the AHL. He, he deserved his call-up. He wanted to be on the team to start the year wasn't worked hard in the AHL for I believe it was nine games came up he's a regular he's not going anywhere uh we'll go here mid-November kind of like a stretch of games here vibes around the flames start to shift they mm-hmm. Derek Wills kind of coined them the find away flames 2.0 it felt like they they got behind games a, a lot here but kind of their identity as a team as this this workhorse kind of do it together muck it out kind of kind of style is what they were going to do. And they they really shifted away from that team that we saw at the end of October to early November where they would give up on games and, and get down right away and never find a way to come back. It, it was a a bit more of a, you know, a, a positive to see that the Flames were, were getting back to ways that, that we've seen them in the past and, and coming back from behind and never really quitting in any of those games. And I can't really remember an effort over the last couple of weeks where I was like, Flames just had no guts yeah. in him. You know what I mean? That was that was when he started to see the resurgence of Nazem Kadri. Yep. And obviously him and Zeri and Pospisil playing well. Just just to have that line that you can put out there and expect you can expect good things from and you can expect to see some some somewhat highlight plays and that's that's what we saw. So yeah. Watching that Flames team the mentality changed, the the gameplay changed, everything changed. Pretty, pretty quickly. It was almost all of a sudden, and after that rough six-game stretch. So 
Yeah, I, that was sort of the the moment that you're like, all right, let's see what this team can do coming into this murderer's row schedule yeah. that they have. And, and to be fair, they 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 held their own in that. I agree. In the you know, the people were thinking that this was going to spell the beginning of the end for the Calgary Flames in this 23-24 season. Uh, quickly here before we hit the break and say goodbye for 2023, December third, Nikita Zadorov gets traded. See ya. And, see ya. Bye. Exactly. And uh, I think you know some people were talking about the return. And all that, and but the biggest thing is that the Flames didn't have to retain any salary on that trade. And also, there's something to be said about trading a guy immediately when he says he doesn't want to be here. Makes it known publicly. He goes through his agent right after a game in Toronto. A game that Zadorov played well in Toronto. Scored yeah. a goal and all that. Had a huge hit in the in the open ice. Comes out. Nikita Zadorov was our best, uh, the Flames' best defenseman. Not getting enough ice. All that. Wants out. You know, Conroy made it known right then and there that if you don't want to be here, you're going to get moved. Yeah. And I liked that. And it wasn't really any disrespect. I mean, there was a little bit from, from the agent, sure, but Zadorov, like, all right, I want out. I He want he wanted to be here long term. He said that. He wasn't going to get that contract. That's Players have obvious. the right to say they want out and, and move and all that, sure. but I just didn't like the way he did it. Yeah, it was weird. Is the thing. It was weird. It was it was a little off. It was a little, I don't know what the word is. It just it, distasteful. Yeah, a little bit. It just it or kind of just dealing in way. bad faith. Like sure. I feel like I feel like that could have been something that was done behind closed doors. And I, I know that even if stuff does happen behind closed doors, oftentimes it does get leaked. But just kind of blindsiding the organization and like players were even saying like I, I found out on Twitter just like everyone else. Yeah, that was that, that just that just felt like it created a. A weird element in that room, and 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 that's why he had to go. And and it was better to do it quicker and sooner rather than later. As for the the return, okay, he wasn't the Flames' best defenseman. No, that's no, no, no. He you ended up trading the keys at all. He wasn't going to save your blue line, Toronto. No. He wasn't going to do it. I really wanted to go to Toronto because I don't like Toronto, and I would have loved to see that. It's just a disaster. I mean, they're they're a good team that somehow manages to be a disaster. Anyways, I'm going to stop on that. You got a third and a fifth for Zadorov, which is essentially a second round pick. It's it's almost the same value in my my opinion for a bottom pairing guy. I take that any day. Yeah. Usually you get bottom pairing guys what he on is. waivers. He's a, he's a bottom pairing guy. Yeah. It's it, it's true. He did. Listen, him and Good Branson together as the third pairing when that team made the playoffs, they were awesome as a third pairing. Yeah. That's that's what they are. And he doesn't provide a whole lot of stability. You see, if you saw he's a the, roller coaster, as George likes to call. It. Oh yeah, he's he's up when he's up, and he's down when he's down. That play in Philadelphia the other day, uh, yesterday. Did you see it? Yeah, yeah. He just skated right up the middle of the ice, stopped essentially, while it was just him, and then a steal and a goal for Farabee. That's it. That's all it takes. Lastly, here, kind of a whole month line storyline for the Calgary Flames, and this has come down nine six six uh, nine six zero nine six zero bit of a low point and that is an understatement uh the month that was for jonathan huberdeau dylan dubé and andrew mangiapani three points combined for all three of those players and one player put up those three points being andrew mangiapani jonathan huberdeau the month of december what do you got for me because i like i said you and i talked about this at length yesterday the whole jonathan huberdeau Mm -hmm. situation and uh what this flames team can do I, I don't know at this point. They're trying him on a line with Lindholm and Sharon Govich this weekend. We'll see if it's fifth or sixth time the charm with, with that with that combination here. Fingers crossed for him, but uh, I'm at a loss with number 10. 
Matt on paper, that that line should work. On paper, him and Lindholm should work. It, it 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 he should be put with anybody that can that can rip the puck and it should work. And it just hasn't. It really hasn't. Zero points in December is nuts. He has one chance to get a point on on Sunday. That's that's literally his only chance. And I'm sure that's in the back of his mind because everyone's talking about it. Dylan Dubay is not on the same. He's not held to the same standard. level that, standard. Yeah, that Huberto is. But he's also we've seen flashes of brilliance. We've seen some really good play from Dylan Dubay in years prior. It's just not happening this year. And Mondrapani looks like a shell of himself. Last year he didn't play all that great, and then it was it was supposedly that it was the shoulder injury, and then he got surgery. And he's like, I feel great. I'm ready to go. It's like, okay, perfect, awesome. And he, he I thought him and Huberto played all right together with Lindholm on the top line for for a short stretch, but they weren't the best line, and they should be. It's it's ugly. It's ugly, man. And this month of December, they've won a few games. You just imagine what they'd be able to do if those guys were going. Exactly. Only time will tell. Flames will be in action again this Sunday. New Year's Eve game taking on the Philadelphia Flyers. That's going to take us to the end of our show here. Thanks to everyone who listened throughout the year. Thanks to everyone who continues to listen to us, hopefully, into the new year. Thanks to our guests who joined us today and all the guests that we've had throughout 2023. It's been a pleasure doing this with everyone. Uh, today we had Luke Gaznik on, Dennis Bernstein, and Jeff Blair. A reminder, if you missed any of those discussions, you can find them on our podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, or anywhere else you may stream full episodes of The Big Show or any of the other programs we got here at Sportsnet 960. Enjoy the long week in Calgary. Stay safe out there. Happy New Year. I've been GVP. He's been Shan. We'll talk to you next week. See you Bye. next year.